0: Welcome to self-proclaimed intellectual. You've just got and hang out with intelligent people.
1: Welcome to self-proclaimed, Self-Proclaimed Int- intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> so, to go syllable by syllable there it didn't well, quite sync uh, up. Letter by letter. Have you ever tried to spell backwards with a partner? No. So let's try intellectuals together. I'm not going to touch that word. S. L. A. U. <laughs> T.
0: L. <laughs> what? All right, so um, that was a good exercise to start off with. You need to... I blindsided you. Blindsided you blindsided me. You needed to start somewhere else, like cat. Let's do cat. Uh, <laughs> D. A. C.
1: You bam. only got one letter. <laughs> but it was the vowel. It was the most important. It was hard. So... I'm Travis Lane. I'm Adam. <laughs> and Tra- this is our Proclaimed intellectuals. It's just our little show that we've got. <laughs> it's
0: just our podcast, you know, nothing big. So,
1: so last time we talked about uh, coaching. It was kind of a concrete sort of thing. Like, yeah. we had some suggestions for personal development. Uh, and, you know, we talked about... Uh, this is going to be more like the Fermi's episode. It's going to be back to... Where it's it's sort of informational. Thinking for something for you to think about. Yeah. Um, so, Adam... What is our topic for the day? Ye, R,
0: son, su, lia, chi, ba, jo, si.
1: Very, very <laughs> nice.
0: If you're confused about the language that Adam is speaking, um, it's... <laughs> no go ahead it's, uh, it's Chinese yeah and I'm just gonna I'm gonna put this out right now I doubt we even have any Chinese listeners or people that speak Chinese but if you do <laughs> don't be nice to Adam <laughs> you're welcome to send us an email about it but I literally just learned how to say those within the last minute it is fantastic <laughs> he was researching it for months months, months. I've okay got, I've,
1: I, I need a coach on that I understand that. Right, right so how about you as part of our listening audience do us a favor and count out loud from one to
0: ten. I I you need to do it. Like seriously. I don't care where you are and what you're doing right now, just count out loud from one to ten.
1: All right. So how long did that take? If you didn't do it, go back and do it. <laughs> if uh if you counted one to ten in English you probably took around a third of a second on average to say each one of those numbers. Yep. Okay, For every nice, simple number word like one or two that comes out real fast, you get a clunky one like seven. Yeah, Seven is uh, two syllables. Come on, yes. seven. Seven. Get your stuff together, <laughs> man. If you said it in Chinese, as Adam did, and you were a bit more fluent perhaps, <laughs> it would instead take you around a quarter of a second versus a third of a second on average yeah. to say each number.
0: Because all those were quite short. Yi, Yi, R, Sun, Su, yu, liu, Cha, Ba, jiu, chi.
1: Nice. <laughs> nice. And they kind of string together well. Yeah. So what is the difference, Adam, between and not mathematically? Yes. Why do we care about it taking a third of a second versus a quarter second per number
0: to count from 1 to 10? I think the main, linguistically speaking, um, they did that... They did this differently in English because Americans like to be bigger and better, and so we wanted our numbers to take longer to say. Our
1: numbers just sound powerful, right? One. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the problem is, if if some fantastic research is to be believed, um, this is actually why the stereotype exists that Asians are better at math, and it's actually... Pretty well substantiated. Well, that, that is not just a stereotype.
0: <laughs> it's true. Maybe we should. We've talked about it before. I've always. I want to do a podcast on stereotyping and if, if all stereotypes are bad, wrong, and correct. All right. I would want to be considered better at math. Yeah. But I get, you know, yeah. Well, that stereotype <laughs> definitely is out there. And um, I guess uh, I don't think I've put a lot of actual thought to it in the past. I have believed it, but I don't know if I ever believed it was like a. Like a thing, a like real a, thing. <laughs> no, if it was, was it cultural? Was it racial? Was oh, it, sure. Okay. Know, because, ah, you know, if I want to get there, but I mean, I don't you know if I want to go into races because it's so hot right Do now. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you could probably make a substantial claim that in general, I mean, maybe I'll cut this out if you completely disagree <laughs> with me, but that African Americans in general are better jumpers. Is that true? Oh, I don't know. I like know. I have that, I have that in my mind. maybe you think I'm the whole I'm white racist. men can't jump kind of thing. Yeah, but I yeah. just
1: feel well. Look at look at. Are there um, good? Are there
0: are there fantastic? Uh, white basketball players and different stuff. Uh, yes, obviously. Yeah, but no, but seriously.
1: Look at look at Olympic results by race yeah, or by yeah, nationality yeah. for speed and mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that you can easily make a case for. I that. I think you
0: could. I don't think. And, and I think that's how we're getting off topic. But I don't think we should be a shy away from some of those things. That's okay. Sure. Um,
1: so what we're gonna talk about today is is a couple of those things, and and they're language based. So, yeah. um. We really are going to discuss why Asians are better at math, and we actually have uh, documented evidence yeah. for why that is. So, okay, so we talked about 1 to 10. It takes you, on average, a quarter – I'm sorry, a third of a second to say it in English yep. uh, and a quarter a of quarter. a second to say each number in in Chinese. Okay. So let's go beyond 10. In English, <laughs> you get to 11 and 12, okay? Okay. Which, Which what does that mean, right. Travis? They they have <laughs> they have their own unique word structure yeah. that's not used anywhere else between 1 and 100. Yeah. So those two numbers, 11 and 12, basically just play by their own
0: rules. Are just completely ridiculously random numbers. Mhm. Yep. So so or words for numbers.
1: It's two extra things that are memorized. Yeah. They're not systematic. Okay? So what does that matter? And but to me,
0: those start those two start all the issues. Yep,
1: yep. And as a teacher, I bet that you have a very close 11, feel for that.
0: Eleven's stupid.
1: So, uh, okay, keep going. 13, 14, 15, 16. All right, so now we've got a recognizable pattern, yep. the root number with teen at the end yep. up until you hit 20, and yes. then problems start again. Yep. Okay. 21, 22, 23. But right now we've already discarded the technique of using the... Teen, or the root word, and then teen. Now yes. we switched it. So now you've got the decade, 20, followed by the root, yes. 2.
0: Yep. So you swapped them.
1: So <laughs> what the
0: heck English. Would it not make more sense to go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 10, or whatever, if you, even, if, even if you want to go with 7 still, and then go 1, 1.
1: Mm-hmm. Or and, 10, 1. Yeah, 10, 10, 2, 10 2. 1, 10, 10, 2. 3. Yep.
0: And then 22, 23.
1: All of a sudden it makes a ton
0: of sense. Which... This is what this is my um caveat or this is my little note before we go on. I think a lot of especially if you're you know if you're our age or older than us, you're going to want to you're going to want to jump on the I grew up that way and I'm just fine and I can <laughs> count. <laughs> <laughs> words. <laughs> aggressive language I know, I know bleep some, that out <laughs> buddy I will, <laughs> but you know you get to i i think there's there's so much that in this culture um we're fine right this is i I grew up that way, and I'm fine, so okay so let's let's so play this
1: out just, what's just think about it. what's it. what's the real difference yeah let's compare our system to canton chinese uh and this comes out of outliers, which is a fantastic book written by Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, in Chinese, the base number words are very short on their own. That's yep. what you just heard, Adam. R. Ah. R. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the structure for two-digit numbers is straightforward, too. 11 is 110 and 1. 35 is 3 tens and 5, uh, and so on. So if you think about learning math in this environment, to add 11 to 27, you got to think of 11 as 10 and 1 plus 20 and 7 equals 30 and 8. But in Asian languages, uh, some of them at least, it's done for you. One ten one and two tens seven is three tens eight. Yes. It's two easy pieces of addition uh-huh. right next to each other. Single digit math gets you farther, faster in Asian languages. Yep. So this has the profound effect, and this is measured, of Asian children being a full year ahead numerically and mathematically by age five.
0: And that's. A year ahead by age five realize that you only lived five years and for the first few of those you really couldn't do math this is very foundational yeah exactly. which means that is a massive amount ahead in the very few years you're actually able to do things so this gap of a year by
1: age yep. five yeah just widens over time because by age five, Asian children are encouraged by the ease of simple operations. Uh-huh. Uh, they feel that math is a logical system with concrete rules that can be discovered and utilized. In English, we're disadvantaged not only because the length of the root words from one to nine, yeah. a third of a second on average to a quarter, yep. uh, but because the exceptions start at 11 and consistently, consistency isn't gained until after 20. Yeah. Can your four-year-old count to 40 in English? Mine can. <laughs> awesome, or is it harder for them to yes. get past eleven and twelve, uh, and then the new pattern starting at thirteen and, if, and twenty?
0: And, and the thing that I would contend to a lot of that is even if they can count to forty, that they can they can count the numbers, but do they know really what's happening? There. Right? How
1: how important, or what other ways? Maybe maybe numbers, maybe math is a little bit uh, I don't know esoteric for people yeah, to yep. to follow. So uh really, a lot of Outliers, which is kind of the basis for this podcast. So yep. Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers uh, is dedicated to determining what hidden factors are responsible for success. Uh, for instance, in young athletes, relative age plays a massive role. This was super cool when I read about it. The influence of relative age says that at the youngest competitive levels, so in some sports in some countries like Canada's hockey selections for higher in yeah. teams starts as young as five or six years old uh, <laughs> the extra months of maturity are a quantum leap in ability and coordination in the highest level of canadian kids hockey the cutoff for each age bracket is january 1st and if you look an incredibly high share of pro players are those born in january february and march Okay. Because we identify talent so early and we foster that talent with, hey, better coaching, <laughs> uh, more practice and stiffer competition, that gap just gets wider and wider. Yeah. So it's anecdotal but noteworthy that the most athletic person in my graduating class, uh, the most celebrated basketball phenom in my school's history, was born in mid-August, just right after the cutoff for the grade.
0: Look at that. So they were the oldest in the grade or youngest? They were the oldest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they had that that slight. They had advantage. months months
1: of advantage uh-huh. that when you're a kid is huge. Yeah. And then you develop that because you feel like you're good at it, yes. and coaches invest more in you, and you get accolades, <laughs> and you're encouraged to
0: keep going. Which which um which is obvious to me, and it will become to you here within a few months that w- how much a month can make a difference because we have I have a you know a one year old. And within a easily within a month, and actually weeks, we went from not walking to nothing but walking. Yeah, That's he's all he going does. great, man. It's, it's insane. <laughs> and so, and you know, and I, I and I, I, I tell this a lot to my wife, and it's there's so much when you when you're at a point in your life if you choose to be at that point in your life where you have young kids, and if you're surrounded by people that also have young kids, there's so much of a contention of, oh my goodness, you know, Susie and Joe's baby is is is. A week younger, but has been walking for a <laughs> right. month longer, and right, really, they right. started sleeping through the nights. And and but I tell you, know, in first grade or in second grade or in fifth grade, I, I did not know a sing- I did not know within my last class who walked first. Mm-hmm. Right. Who no, knows? Because right. that stuff doesn't matter anymore. So but, so how, how old are the kids in fifth grade
1: when you teach them? 10, 11. Perfect. Yeah. So this study also says that by age ten, the relative age differences, so the the months in between. Have really pretty pretty much smoothed out. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, in a lot of cases, that die has been cast. So not only have the relatively older kids been given the advantages of better coaching, practice, competition, yeah. uh, but just as importantly. Many of their perceptions about themselves are already set. So I'm good at sports. Oh, very much. I'm not yeah. athletic. Yeah. Can be decided before relatively younger kids ever get a fair shake. Yeah. Same phenomenon applies to gifted programs in schools and in kids who like math or yeah. don't.
0: Yeah, and that's it's a very that's a very it's a very interesting concept, especially being in the career that I'm in, because you can see that very much. I mean, by fifth grade, there is your almost everybody is already very much set in what you are. You have your kids that are. Club teams, playing sports all the time. You have your kids that aren't. You have your kids that are in into specific things, and that's pretty much set. So let me ask you this, Adam. Um, it's, it's
1: anecdotal, but you've taught for a long yeah. time. So um, among your classes, if you thought about it, do you think that you would see a pattern emerging of people born in the earlier months? So uh, earlier months of the cutoff, so August, September, October. Do you find that those people... Uh, tend to be your successful outliers in sports or music or
0: uh academics. I don't think I could speak to it enough because I don't think I've paid enough attention to okay. birth years. I'm really curious. Dates. I'm really curious. Yeah. It would have been in interesting. your next class, observe. Yeah. And it's it's a funny idea too, because we're we are struggling so much and maybe this connects or not, but you know, our oldest is born and was born in June, and so he had to decide: is mm-hmm. he going to be the oldest in his class or the youngest in mm-hmm. his class? Mm-hmm. Um, so that there's a lot of decision there, because that's that's a big that could have a big effect. Have you decided yet? Yeah, he's going. We're putting him one more year of preschool. He'll be the oldest in his class. I think that's why. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
1: See, aren't you so glad that we had this?
0: <laughs> oh, I was already. I'm. A, I was. I've been okay with it for a while. It's yeah. Just my other half. It. Years from I'm now, well, time. you know, when you're
1: a kid, you think being held back is a bad thing, but that early. I think it could be a really well, positive
0: thing. Well, I think it will be. And I don't Like I said, I just don't – it doesn't even – by the time you're in fifth grade or whatever, one even knows. I mean, it's hard at this right. point because he has these little friends. But another uh, really year he's going to have different friends you want to know. I, yeah. I, I, I knew because obviously the records I had, but um, a few of my kids that had the same thing done to them within this last year. And to me, they fit perfectly where they were because that's where they were and that's where they've always been. Mm-hmm. But nobody else knew that they were actually held back a year in preschool just because of age. Right, right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, here's the thing. And yeah. like
1: you said with the the club teams and stuff, I think that sports are, I don't know, they're an interesting byproduct of this. Yeah. But I think that the more important thing is, uh, is the educational side. Uh-huh. We've talked about this in the past. So you kind of ask, well, what can we do about this? Like, we're going to start educating kids. We have to block them off. We can't do classes by month. It's just not yeah, possible. Yeah. Uh, so what should you do? Uh, for one, age 10 is still really young for identifying and developing top talent. Um, so the broad perception, what, what culture seems to think is that the earlier you start filtering people out and investing in the, the better prospects, yeah. the better your professionals eventually become. But when you filtered out potentials due to what we think is talent, yeah. but what's really attributable primarily to this relative age, we've reduced our pool of candidates by you know 75% Address if they're only out. coming from uh-huh. the first three months before we even begin. So maybe we shouldn't differentiate from high and low performers in sports and academics until at least 10, when those effects of relative age have pretty much gone so away. So does that
0: mean try to give more, to me, in my feeble mind, does that mean try to give more... Coaching more push to anybody that wants it up yeah, to that age. I think
1: I think you try to keep it more even. Yeah. Uh, and not let those top twenty five percent really really push yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, I think that I think that in my school we but, didn't do honors or advanced classes until sixth grade, which was great. So yeah. everyone's on even keel until about ten or eleven. You're gonna
0: you're you're gonna have your lot of proponents. Not that I am or not not or am one of them though that would say then you're holding some kids back. Sure. Those kids that are really are really are special or something or have a have an ability in a certain area if we all kept them on even, even plane and tell them. Which, I mean, I see that in fifth grade. I mean, there are definitely kids that I've had in gifted classes that because of just their different thinking or different abilities, they are levels above. Yeah. Levels above. Sure. Um, and that's why we have the gifted, so they, they don't just have to sit through me <laughs> talking about <laughs> 11. <laughs> Complaining about 11.
1: <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. It's, it's a tough decision to make because I think, you know, it makes intuitive sense to me that, well, if you're reducing your pool of candidates by 75%, because you've already given those top, those first three months of the, the grade, uh, you know, a ton of attention and, in coaching.
0: I don't know. I think, I think a lot of it could be really simple in the minds of how, how teachers speak and act and treat kids as far as Just work hard at not praising kids or going there with certain kids in front of a bill. I mean, because you have your kids, like, oh my gosh, you're the best reader. So why don't you read to the class or why don't you do this for us and put them in roles and maybe spread that love. And just, just, which I'm not saying a lot of teachers aren't, but I mean, I think, you know, it's easy to not notice those kinds of things, mm -hmm. those kind of preferences in yourself. Yeah, Yeah. it's tough. Try not to try hard not to uh, be the labeler. Yeah, and get those kids already labeled yep, because exactly. they're having a hard enough time being labeled by their peers.
1: Yep. So. so you know we can we can say that, but uh, <laughs> it's it's a very broad cultural expectation, uh-huh. and it's hard to change uh, the way we do things with personal behavior. Yeah. So Adam. Yeah. In the meantime, yeah. Those of us who are self-proclaimed <laughs> intellectuals, we can just teach our kids counting that makes sense. Nine,
0: <laughs> ten. Ten one. Ten two. Ten two. Ten three. Ten three. And like I said, it's so weird, but it makes so much sense. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> well, we'll we'll try it with our kids, and when they're running the world, uh, we'll know.
0: Well, should we um, should we get into the ridiculousness of not using the metric system? Mm, yeah, we probably could. Spend the next hour just yelling at people for uh, not that's, using that's the a, metric that's system. That's a
1: future. Uh, <laughs> that's a future whole podcast. Uh huh. So yeah, I'm with you on that
0: one. Because like. Ugh, what's the foot? Twelve inches? We picked Why? we picked it to be twelve because 12. it's one of those stupid numbers. It might as well have been eleven. <laughs> we didn't want to make it nice, like
1: yeah. So 10. so one of the implications of this is basically that seven eleven is ruining the entire yeah. you know, American society. Uh-huh. I wish seven eight eleven and not nine. <laughs> if only. <laughs> uh, so so hopefully that's been kind of an interesting ditty on. Why a stereotype exists? Because yeah. it it actually goes back to the language, uh, and so what
0: what's, we're gonna. Well, before we get there, though, on that stereotype, what's interesting is is uh, are Asians better at math? Only if you were raised in Asia. Yeah, right? m- if maybe. you're raised in China, and within that context of those learning those numbers. Sure, and there probably there first. probably
1: is a cultural aspect, and maybe that's why it's kind of a negative or, or considered maybe a a hint of racist stereotype in America yeah. is that, well, because you're Asian, you're born smarter at math. Yes, But you can trace it back linguistically and there's yeah. a rational reason why yeah. the Canton Chinese children would be ahead maybe. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, there is a cultural aspect to it for sure. So let's talk about another way that uh, language has in very quantifiable ways been shown to influence behavior. So we said, <laughs> this, is, this is kind of politically, like the whole thing has been kind of politically incorrect, but I like it because it's rational and yes. there's actual explanation for it. It's not yes. just, you know, oh, those Asians, <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually factual and backed up. Yeah. So uh, section one, why Asians are better at math. Section two, why Scandinavians save more
0: money. This one's hard for me. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very hard. I say near impossible To actually understand what this would be like without having been born in it. Right. So what the heck are we talking
1: about? (laughs) There are some really interesting studies done. Got to give credit to, and and for this, I actually read a a scientific paper, The Effect of Language on Economic Behavior, Evidence from Savings Rates, Health Behaviors, and Retirement Assets by M. Keith Chin, Yale University School of Management.
0: M. Keith Chin.
1: Oh, yeah. Doesn't that just make me sound awesome? Yes. Reading that title? (laughs) Gosh, I had a smart name. So intellectual. <laughs> um, so, Adam. Yep. If today is Thursday and tomorrow is. Today's Wednesday. Friday. But, but just if.
0: <laughs> but if we're going to go with these if things, it's already hard for me. Might as well stick with the day it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> if, if today is Wednesday okay. and tomorrow is
1: Thursday, yep. how would you tell me that there is supposed to be rain tomorrow?
0: I would say, Travis, there's going to be rain tomorrow.
1: Would you say, it will rain tomorrow, something? It's going to rain tomorrow. It's going to rain tomorrow. Okay.
0: Uh, I'd say gonna.
1: But if you were in a different language than English, you might say, it rains tomorrow. Or even, it rained tomorrow. It rained tomorrow. Yeah. So... (laughs) <laughs> so what we're talking about here, uh, just like how the certain Asian languages like Canton Chinese uh, favor mathematical, mathematical principles, yep. um, there is such a thing as a strong FTR language. Uh, so a high FTR language is future time references. Uh And basically, according to the study, the the long and short of it is, on average, countries which speak strong FTR languages, which means they have lots of instances where they use future tense, it will rain tomorrow. It's going to rain tomorrow. So
0: we are a high
1: FTR. Save, as in save money, 4.75% less Less. than low FTR. Okay. So there's a chart here and we'll post it in the show notes on our lovely website, self-proclaimed <laughs> um, and you can see uh, that these certain countries have strong FTR languages. They have yep. they have verb tenses that are future, past, yep. present. They differentiate between those. The United States is very high FTR and we have the second lowest savings rate among these thirty some companies studied, second only to Greece. United Kingdom is also very low. Israel is very low. Portugal and Poland are very low. And then all of a sudden on the other side of the graph, you have – so the United States' average total savings rate as a percent of the the country's gross Uh domestic product is a little over 15%. Norway is like 32%. Norway is a weak FTR language. Hmm. They might say something more like, it rains tomorrow. Huh.
0: So so there's some belief or thought process that the language is affecting some of that. Because if you were to ask me, why do Americans not save, I would have just said culture. Uh, commercialism. We like, to, yeah. we like to spend a lot of money and you know keep up with the Joneses and all that kind of jazz. Sure, sure. So is that because of the culture
1: or is the culture culture because because of the language? language. How crazy is that to think about? So spacing out again. Beep. Okay. Beep. So if you kind of think about this to its logical conclusion, think about yourself and your retirement savings or or whatever. I have a lot. I'm at least at 1.3
0: mil. Good. Yeah. I
1: have to, have to do a little calculation to see if that's good. No, I'm,
0: I'm saying I have a, a stack of $100 bills that reaches 1.3 millimeters high. <laughs>
1: you know, that might actually be a lot. That would be a, like a couple thousand. We need to look need
0: to. Look no, I wouldn't even be that much. We, we need to Shoot. look and see uh, how thick a $100 bill is on ski. Uh But these are really crumpled up ones, so it's actually only a couple.
1: So when you think about that, you think about your future, right? You yeah. think about Adam... You know, senior 40 years from now, senior, right? But when you don't have a verb tense to think of, well, this savings is for money that I'm going to spend in the future. Yeah. Instead, if your language leads you to think this is money that I have as opposed to will have in the future. Which this is where it gets hard. Then all of a sudden yeah. it's easier to invest because you don't see it as delayed gratification. You see your life as one big continuum and that uh-huh. money is money that you currently have. Yeah. If you say so, Travis. Yeah, man. I'm <laughs> not I'm I mean, I'm not gonna like teach you to think in Chinese yeah. or, or uh that's, well, or that's,
0: Norwegian. <laughs> that's this is what exactly what I was saying though. It's so hard because my mind is not trained that way. I, I can't right. com- it's, it's kinda hard for me to comprehend not thinking in future tense. Right. It, it makes you it makes you think
1: how much do you really have control over your behavior? Like there's yeah. there's always gonna be this philosophical discussion of nature versus nurture. That's yeah. always gonna be there. Yeah. And the reality is probably that there's some complex relation between the two. Yes. It's just yes. both. Yeah. Um but man, when you read something like this and you see data that suggests that the language you speak changes your behavior At least, you know, in aggregate and a cultural scale,
0: that makes you feel just a little bit less in control of your life. (laughs) Yeah, it makes, but it it does make so much sense because I, and it'd be interesting to see what kind of, I'd be interested to see if these kind of studies could be done on other aspects of language and how they've affected. Like, does us having so many words for being pissed off give us more (laughs) ability to be pissed off? Right, or different different
1: tiers of anger. You know, I'm upset. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I'm frustrated. Uh-huh. I'm mad.
0: I'm And pissed. does yeah. does the does having those words create more of a ability sure. to express it and have it? Yeah, yeah. So I bet
1: there is. I, I want to I want to introduce this because back in high school one of my favorite books was nineteen eighty four by George Orwell. Yeah. Are you familiar with 1984 by George Orwell? I've heard of the book. Oh, you got to read it, man. (laughs) Anyways, I like books with dates. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Lovely. So 1984 is about this dystopian future where, you know, it's a police state and you're monitored and and you can be punished for thought crimes, you know, things about thinking about the government failing you can be punished for.
0: What's the movie? Minority Report?
1: Yeah, it's it's a little little bit similar. Okay. There's a really creepy, like... Black and white, nineteen eighty four. Oh yeah, it's it's okay. Hmm. Anyway, anyway, um, in nineteen eighty four, there is a language that they're trying to usher in to replace English. It's called Newspeak, and instead of having words like beautiful, lovely, um, gorgeous, all these different words, you would have one word. Yeah. Or instead of happy and yeah. you know whatever, you would have good and you would compress, you would just eliminate all all those other words. That's right. So, in the appendix of 1984, there's a little thing on Newspeak, and it says, the purpose of Newspeak was not only to provide a medium of expression for the worldview and mental habits proper to the devotees of Ingsoc, which is uh, English socialism. Uh, That's their political system. Okay. It's like national socialism. Yeah. So, you know, there's that (laughs) reference. Uh, But Uh, ...but to make all other modes of thought impossible. Its vocabulary was so constructed as to give exact and often very subtle expression to every meaning that a party member could properly wish to express while excluding all other meaning and also the possibility of arriving at them by indirect methods... This was done partly by the invention of new words, but chiefly by eliminating undesirable words and stripping such words as remained of unorthodox meanings and so far as possible of all secondary meaning whatever. So that was a huh. little bit complicated. But, yes. but consider the word free. Uh, they would change the available meanings of that word to no longer be, you couldn't use it in the context of free will or free decision it would not make sense. The word so would instead just, mean yeah, free of cost, charge. It doesn't cost. Or currency. or free available to
0: uh, to go somewhere on Friday, huh. which so, which probably makes sense. I mean, that's that's why a lot of you know. I maybe I shouldn't say that. I tell my kids this in class, but I, I hate the English language for so many reasons <laughs> because you can look into stuff, and on and, and on the same token, it makes it neat to you. You got poetry, and you can you can create these things that mean a lot of things mm-hmm. that mean other things but reason, we should so. have a
1: whole episode someday on on the the positives and negatives of english so the yeah. the negatives are things like the the rules and the yeah. exceptions uh i have a, a friend who one time told a small story to tell about the positives so he was watching jeopardy yeah. and the guy answered what is orange ish as in similar to yeah. but not exactly the color yeah. orange. And Alex Trebek responded to him and said, That's <laughs> that's not correct and you know, he kinda chided him like Alex Trebek does, and he goes, But I wanna congratulate you for saying a word that isn't a real word, but everyone knew exactly what you meant. <laughs> yeah. And so the flexibility yes. is there because, you know, uh, I don't know. So so it's interesting and it gives because a- it has more freedom. Of expression, you it's get got
0: a lot of freedom, and obviously, I mean, the, the the writing we can do, and the poetry, and the books, and you can you can you can invoke so much emotion and completely different thoughts to what you actually wrote down, right? And that's obviously also caused issues because if I text a friend, and I'm being my total sarcastic, dry humor <laughs> self. That, they can't pick up on that yeah. because of you know it's it's definitely difficult. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So, um. Yeah, so pretty much everything we've been talking about today, and I, I, maybe I should have said this at the beginning, <laughs> but is, is related to the concept of linguistic relativity. And I think this is straight off Wikipedia. The, the right. principle of linguistic relativity holds that the structure of a language affects the way in which its respective speakers conceptualize their world, their worldview, yep. or otherwise influences their cognitive processes. Or behavior in the case of savings, or yeah. uh, another one from that study was their health. They don't think of their future health, so they don't exercise as yeah, much. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say, yeah, or they smoke more or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So it affects them negatively. Or it sure, can.
1: It, it you would think that if they think of themselves in the future just as themselves, yeah, they would treat their future self better. Yes. Whereas if you think that your future self is a separate person, because you know, in the future I will. Yeah. Uh, then you're less likely to to behave well now, yeah, for the future, yeah, yeah, I believe yeah. it, so it's interesting it, yeah uh, so so think about that as you're walking around if you have trouble saving money,
0: just uh blame uh your language <laughs> uh, <laughs> what uh you know you're 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 sixty five you're about to retire and you're frustrated because you don't have any money and just go go find the nearest english professor and Smack them around. A yeah. Bit. Don't give you some money.
1: English professors, we apologize for the wave of Go. hatred you're about to, <laughs> to receive. Go
0: find your high school and grade school English teachers and uh, blame them. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You got anything else? Nope. I was going to say our next podcast is going to be fantastic, but I don't want to think about the next one because the next one is this one.
1: Hmm. Something about future tenses. There's a joke in there, but I'm not I know. sure.
0: I don't. Know. I should. I should not make jokes about things I don't actually understand. This is a low FTR <laughs> podcast, apparently. Yes. Yeah. FDR.
1: Tr. Uh, DR was a president. He was. I know. He was in the past, but, is but no also past. in the future.
0: Yeah. In in the present. Does it actually erase the future and the past and make it all one?
1: Yeah, I think it's. I think there's various. I what like if it's, it's a spectrum?
0: What if you know that could be an interesting um, sci-fi book that your different language actually gives you ability to know the future. If you don't have a, you don't have a future tense. Wow. And so the future is now. so you are born once you start learning language, since you don't have a future tense, all the future comes to you now, and you instantly have wow. that information.
1: Well, you think about it from the flip side. Maybe that's why Americans have like this entrepreneurial spirit. Is because we think things could be better in the future. Like yeah. we dream of a future where other people just kind of see life as a big chunk. You know? Yeah. That's, uh, maybe that's so.
0: Could it could be beneficial? That's right. In ways.
1: Hmm. So look at that. Well, uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, go rate us on iTunes Leave us a nice little review Say whatever you want to say We'd love yeah. to hear from you uh, Tell your friends about us That's right Visit our website intellectuals.com. You're
0: more than welcome to be like I have these two friends Adam and Travis Even if you never met us
1: Yeah Start yeah. That, that explosive expansion If
0: quote unquote Knowing us makes you cooler Just go with it man Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean We host a podcast Adam <laughs> That's That's not nothing Yeah
0: Yeah I guess.
1: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next time.
0: See ya.